Welcome to episode 21 of About Nashville. I'm Mike Rogers, and this is my show, my podcast, and the window into my silly world. Um, today's guest is John Stone. He is an ambassador to the legendary Honky Tonk Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, and he's a, he's a big presence on the lower Broadway scene in Nashville. Now, John has put out several independent albums that have sold really well, and he's had various degrees of success with radio play. Uh, he's, he's been a, a successful representative for Tootsie's for over a decade. I mean, besides that, he's a really good dude, and he's, he's super funny. Uh, we talked about how he got into playing music and how he, how he got started on Broadway, and he gave some advice for musicians and singers that are thinking about coming to town. He told some hilarious stories about famous celebrities that came into Tootsie's or have come into Tootsie's over the years while he was playing, and some of them just were belly-wrenching laughing. Um, when you are in town, and if you are in Nashville or around Nashville or coming through Nashville, stop by Tootsie's Orchid Lounge. It's three floor, floors three floors of bands and parties and everything else that you can think of to have a good time. It's on 422 Broadway in Nashville. They're open from 10 a.m. to 3 a.m. I'm not so sure how people are drinking at 3 a.m. By then, I would be so trash that um, I'd probably need more than Uber. I'd need probably multiple Ubers just to pour me home. Um, but regardless, go to Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, three floors of honky-tonk goodness. Um, so I got my uh, my coffee tables done. I, well, let, let me, first of all, let me tell you, I got the coffee table done, and then my wife went about it in she bought uh, hey I found some um, some uh, little end tables that look just like that coffee table and I think they would look so good so I we ended up going and getting those and adding more work to the to everything that I did and and uh, ended up you know stripping all the paint off of everything sanding out all of the the, the grooves and all of that and painting the bottom black and the top is a, a, a kind of a stained wood and then I even took the, there was a wood uh, knobs uh, for the, the drawers and everything I pulled all those off and I put on these uh, black and bronze uh, knobs that made it real, look real nice. Um, so I, I will eventually put some pictures of that online and show you. But, but uh, yeah, when I put it up, I was like, oh, look at me, I'm the man, I'm the man. And I'm like, don't, don't buy no more shit. I don't really want to, you know, do any more work. But that was fun. Uh, so how was you got? How, tell, tell, we got John back here. We got, we got. Tell me about the coffee table. Yeah, yeah. So tell, tell me about Let the. Let me uh, ask you a question first. So is your wife, Eddie Murphy, doing an impersonation of a woman? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I see. I, I've talked to Holly about yeah. that before. When when I hear certain voices in my head, uh, like Eddie Murphy takes over my body. I have no <laughs> earthly <laughs> idea why. Oh, yeah. It's like it's yeah. like. It's like I, I immediately to do this whole Eddie Murphy thing. I have no earthly idea why it just it happens. I'm just checking. Uh, you know, it, I met her and I don't remember her sounding like it. She sounds Murphy nothing like it. I don't know. I don't know why. It's that that's my wife. My wife is Eddie Murphy. You know, I, what can I say? No, I it just I am highly influenced by Eddie Murphy. Whenever I was growing up, uh, wanted to be Eddie Murphy. I just never couldn't figure out how to get well, black. Congratulations on your new coffee table. <laughs> I, did, I did. I wanted to be Eddie. Murphy and I was pissed off my dad wasn't black. I'm like, wait a minute, damn it. Why am I not black? <laughs> Make me black. I want to be funny too, motherfucker. <laughs> You're funny. You're funny without the black. Uh, hey, well, okay. Steve Martin. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you started. I mean, yeah, I don't even know if I could do I'm a wild and crazy guy. I know. I, I didn't know. I, I, I don't stick, want to. Stick to Eddie Murphy. I'll stick to Eddie Murphy. He's funny. I wouldn't do Richard Pryor, but I can't, I've realized very quickly that I can't do Richard Pryor. 
I'm not high enough. <laughs> no, no, but uh, uh, but so tell me about your Fourth of July. What'd you do? Um, I actually went to spend time with family. We celebrated uh, the fourth. The crazy thing about it, though, is I guess my cousin lives in a neighborhood that has uh, association fees or whatever. So it was it was about nine thirty, nine forty-five. One of the neighbors come down the street, and he says, "Well, how long are you guys going to be popping? You know, celebrating and popping these fireworks? Because my dog is scared to come outside to use the bathroom." Mm. So my cousin was like, "Well, you know, I really don't know." And I'm over there and I'm laughing because I find humor in the weirdest stuff. So I'm laughing and. And then, say about 10 o'clock, the, the cops patrol the neighborhood and tell everybody that they have to gather up and leave. And, and like I said, I'm giggling and I'm laughing. My, my cousins, he's, he's all pissed and he's like, you know, Holly, what the hell are you laughing at? You know, it's just like I said, I find humor. I mean, I find humor in shit, a dirty Sanchez. What I the mean, hell is a dirty Sanchez? <laughs> I found a humor in it. What is it? What is a dirty Sanchez? You can't know the dirty. You know what a dirty Sanchez? I have no idea what a dirty. I Sanchez. wouldn't want it done to me, but I found humor in it. Just the word "dirty Sanchez" is not funny to you. No, no, no. That's like, like, put, hey, have you ever had a ding dong in your asshole? What? It, what the hell is it? <laughs> that's what it is. What is it? You put it on the upper lip. What is it? That's no. a dirty Sanchez. No, boo. <laughs> I'm just saying I find humor in the oddest. What is a dirty Sanchez? You, you just said and I finished it. No, that, no. You know what a dirty Sanchez is. So and you, so do Streak across you. the I, No, I don't. <laughs> you you know what, what a dirty is. Sanchez is. No, I still don't know, man. Is it like when you're eating out of butthole or something and you end up getting turd no. smudge on oh, your man. face? No. What is it then? You just said it and I finished it. You said it's, it's, it's anal intercourse. Uh. And then afterwards, the guy puts his... You know, across across the, gets a mustache. That's right. It's a doo-doo mustache. Oh, my God. So you mean after anal sex, <laughs> that is the man funny. pulls his penis oh out of her butthole God. and smears it on top of I'm getting out of here. That's a dirty sanctuary. I just say I just say I find humor in the oddest things. Now, I don't want that done to me. It's not so, funny. So did you laugh the first time that happened to you? It's never happened to me. That happened to me. That happened to me. That happened to me. No memory for me. Oh my God, a dirty Sanchez. Well, that didn't happen to me this week. No, I'll tell you, leave it to you to come up with all these terms. I'm just saying, I find humor in the. I need an urban dictionary just to keep up with you. you should. Goodness. Something new, Mike. I know, a dirty Sanchez. Now, I'm, now anytime I meet somebody named Sanchez, <laughs> I'm just going to look at him and go, you better not be dirty, damn it. Dirty, that's right. Oh my gosh. So, one of the things that, well, tell me about any festivities and things that you saw, any goofy things that you saw throughout the uh, your 4th of July festivities? No, no, not any real goofiness. None? A little really? town, right, had 8,000 people show up for to watch the Wanna Beatles. No, okay, all right. A bunch right. of people playing Beatle music in our little town square there. Well, I, I, I tell you, the, the, the one thing that I noticed in my neighborhood, and I don't know if this is a, a thing now or if it's just a, a what's going on, but has anybody noticed that everybody in neighborhoods are like now, like they, they have like golf carts so that they can go all around their neighborhoods? Lazy as hell. Have you, have you seen this? A few. We don't have a lot of people. And, and the thing that I yeah, notice is cool, everybody right? that has a golf cart that's going around the neighborhood is fat. That's lazy as hell. They're it's just like fat. Walmart. It's like outdoor Walmart. 
smart. Well, I know, but if you're fat, you need to be walking anyway. Well, I probably, now all the fat people are going to be emailing me back going, Mike, you don't need to talk about all the fat people. That's right. I own a golf cart and I'm slamming the trim. Well, you know, okay. There you go. I, I, you, you, you see yourself however you want to see yourself. I see myself super muscular. That's okay. That's right. We both know that neither one of these are true. Um... So, so one of the things that I remember about, you know, uh, the fireworks and all these festivities is when I was a kid, I, things are so different now than when we were kids. Like, we used to blow up everything. We, we would go and we would go, they would just sell it to us as kids. Little bitty 10 to 12 to 13 year olds, we'd buy firecrackers, cherry bombs, we'd buy all this other kind of stuff, and then we would blow up everything we owned. Mm-hmm. Cars and, and, and G.I. Joe dolls and my sister's Barbies and anything that we could get a bomb in or around or try to to oh and I remember we were we were like how many firecrackers would it take to make my spaceship fly and we would try that and blow up all blow that whole thing up to 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 Wazoo did you ever blow up anything like we used to do cannons remember what they tell you every year some kid got shrapnel in his heart (laughs) don't do that don't buy the Red Rider BB gun you might get a BB in your eye shrapnel in your heart that's oh right, and then God. put them in the neighbor's mailbox. And but don't you remember? Did y'all ever have like? Uh, like I'm from Brooklyn, so we didn't have mailboxes. What did oh. you do? Did you ever do bottle rocket wars? No, it was wars? like a freaking oh, war that was, zone. That was, man. that was the best. Did you do the that bottle the rocket best. wars? Oh, oh yes, where you yeah. get a tube. Yeah, have you ever that done was that? We have a tube. Yeah. Yeah. And shoot them at each. <laughs> and we would oh, shoot them yeah. at each other. It was great. It was fantastic. Things are so much different now. People are like. You know, uh, we ain't going to buy no uh, fireworks. We're just going to go watch them at the little show, and we're going to go home. And I remember giving, like, a little three-year-old, two-year-old a sparkler and running around and lighting them. Hey, go light them. Go snap light them. pops. Yeah, everything. Snap. It was crazy. I with all the, the laws and, you I know, spent $50. Everything. I didn't blow one thing off. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I just collected Don't fireworks. lie. Don't lie. You already told me you got one nut, and you, I see you walking around kind of limping and everything. So <laughs> you blew like, something off, John. I've been by fireworks. You, got, you blew something off, John. Don't be, we're going to call him Long John Silver because he got a like, matey, matey. I'm telling you, he's lying. You know he blew something off. Hell, like, he got two fingers back there and one leg and a limp and a half a nut. Oh, my gosh. So so guess what I did yesterday? You're going to die. What? I went and did stand-up comedy for the first time ever. And you didn't invite yes. me? Yes. I didn't invite anybody. I just went and, and did uh, it. You didn't know anything. He told me like an hour before. Oh, that you know I what? I knew what he was going to do. Part cool of what he was. I did. I did. I did. So how'd it go? It went well. Did it went really, really, really well. I, like I'm gonna be honest with you, but like there, there was like 30, 35 people in there, and and I, this was like this little bar that was on 16th Avenue downtown Nashville, and like if you did not know where you were going, you were gonna miss this place, and. I went into this place, and there's, like, all these people, and they look like comedians. And I, I went in wearing, basically, <laughs> a suit with no tie. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And and, and the, the, you had your regulars there, and they look like these hardened sailors that would had been drinking at the bar for days. They were, like, probably 60. It's about all about the PBR. Oh, absolutely. And they were, like, in their mid-60s, and they didn't look like they wanted to laugh at nothing. Like, I could have probably taken a shit on stage, and they'd have just looked at me going, hey, you probably need to wipe. You know, and nothing. 
nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I, I was like a little nervous, and then like all of these like comedian comedians got on, and even the host of the show, who is a very funny guy that I've seen perform before, like got up there and nobody was laughing, and I was like, oh, oh. lord, I'm in trouble. And then I started noticing that everybody had pads, and everybody was like writing their little jokes and premise, you know, the premise of their jokes on these pads and things. I'm like, I ain't got no pad. I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a my cell phone. So I'm like, hey, uh, uh, sir, can I borrow a piece of paper and a pen? So I thought I'm just gonna write down just some look stuff, just to look professional and walk up there and act like I know what I'm doing. So I walk up there and I say, you know, I, I say a few things and. I do my little my little five minute bit and everybody's laughing, you know. And I'm like, yes, I'm I I did this, man. And I I close with my big my big uh, and I'm not gonna say what it is, but I close with my big thing and and uh, got down and I was like, I I could do this again. I might do this again. I might go out there and do like two or three of these things, you know, and and just kind of it was fun. Were you it Eddie was a Murphy fun. at any time? Um, you know, I only really go into Eddie Murphy when I tell my wife's well, you voice. Do, okay, so your wife's Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I tell you, I'm telling you. I was going to say a good idea could be for your show called Mike Rogers Raw. <laughs> well, you got to come out with a tight ass leather suit and all of that. You got to put a sock in your. And then throw and out the that front. that southern accent on him, man. But, but see, I, hillbilly I would just be raw. Raw. There you go. Raw. I'm raw. Raw. I mean, no. my name is Ed Murphy. I'm raw. No, yeah. But I don't know. I said when I start when I tell when I start telling jokes and I start telling my wife's voice in the jokes. Eddie Murphy comes out of my mouth. I have right. no earthly idea, and I just guess I've watched too much Eddie Murphy growing up. That Literally, work, I wanted to be work. Eddie Murphy growing up. I mean, I wanted to be either Eddie Murphy or Michael Jackson, and I'm just glad I didn't end up Michael Jackson, you know? So is this a bucket list thing, or are you going to continue to do it? Uh, I'm going to continue to do it as long as my bucket doesn't fall over. Like on that AARP commercial or whatever it is, you know? Like, I wanted to be a comedian for 30 seconds. Well, Drop no. the mic, walk off, you're done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can say I have done stand-up comedy now. But, but what I would like to do is just kind of like, you know, take some of the jokes and take some of the skits and everything that I was doing and just kind of like smoothing them down. And then, and then you know, like... I, I had all kinds of people on Twitter and Facebook that were going, hey, put up some video, put up some video. I'm like, no, no. I, this is like the first time I ever had sex. I wouldn't put a video of that either. You know? <laughs> they don't want to see that. Well, that's right. It has something to do with grape jam or I'd be, or Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd be like, no, no. Whole tub is purple. I, I do not know. I, I can't put up something like that when I do not even know what the term Dirty Sanchez means. Right. And the fact that you know what Dirty Sanchez means makes you a dirty girl. I am very, very But now that you dirty. know, you are a step closer to videoing your comedy routine. Nope, I am not. I, I, nope. A I step need, closer. What I'm going to do is You're going to incorporate music at some point? Yes, yes. What I'm going to do is like I'm, I'm going to bring up my guitar and I'm going to start writing some corny songs. Uh, I mean, cornier than I already write, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, and, and kind of incorporate that into it as well. But I have no earthly idea why this is a step in this weird direction. I have no idea where this direction is going. It'll be fun, though. Congratulations. I'm thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, now we're on to the interview with uh, John Stone. Dream big, everybody.
Navy. The Honky Tonk Hit Man. Welcome to About Nashville with your host, the Honky Tonk Hit Man, Mike Rogers. So, dude, as I was coming out here, and I am not, not, I'm not, this isn't a joke. So, I I, I was on the GPS in my car, and uh, it literally, it got to a point where it was like, um, yeah, we've taken you about as far as we can. Uh, We're going to need you to find your way from here. And I'm like, oh, damn. All right. So, then I started trying to text you. Dude, I'm about six miles out. No Wi-Fi. I mean, I'm like... Oh my gosh, we're in the mountains here. This is like where where aliens abduct people and shit. I mean, banjos everywhere. I'm like, I've seen movies about this, and I'm like, I, I, I'm not really a country guy. I just play one on TV. I'm more I'm more Johnny Cash than Willie Nelson. Uh, uh, and I and I as I got closer, I was like, wait, 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 I got another GPS. I'll use that one. So I use this GPS and I plug it in. It's like, oh yeah, we know where you at. Go about three more miles, and it's like getting confused too. And all of a sudden, it just it's just a hey. Hey, fuck it, you're on your own, man. You're on your own. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So literally, like, I was trying to navigate through here and, and I'm going through, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude has a huge uh, farm here. I mean, dude, this is like Graceland. I mean, I am not kidding you. You got, you got horses and, and, and dogs and ducks and cows and moose and bears and chickens and, I mean, it's like it's like a country Graceland. It's like Graceland. Graceland. We're gonna call it Graceland. We call this the Stone Derosa. <laughs> I believe I could get stoned out here, just sitting on this porch, just hiring a kite. You know, dang. I mean, just sitting here looking at the horses, going, "That's a horse. Yep, it is." Oh my gosh. So tell me, man, what have you been up to? We've been working our butts off, man. The last two or three years, we've been. Uh, playing all over the country in different parts of the world just this year alone i've already played in uh let's see i played in jamaica i played in fiji i'm going to australia again in uh, august and uh we did kid rocks uh music cruise for the seventh time in a row back in uh march and we'll do his second annual fish fry coming up in october and so and we travel coast to coast doing private and corporate events and still doing our thing down at Tootsie's, too. Dang, how often do you play Tootsie's? Four nights a week. Holy cow, what are your shifts? I play Monday through Thursday, 10 to close, Steve. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And what is close now? 2.30. Oh. <laughs> See, that's all. Oh. Four and a half hours, man, no breaks. Oh, gosh. Gosh, I forgot about that. No yeah, breaks. No breaks. Uh, so, you, you just go four and a half hours straight. Grip it and rip it. God. I even, I even do that in my, my uh, 
private shows when I go out to do corporate events and, and play festivals. Like if I've got a two-hour slot somewhere, I'll play straight through. Or if I'm doing a four-hour show for a corporation or a private event, I'll play straight through. Really? Yeah. If you if you get them and you don't never, never let them go, they don't escape on you. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> if you take breaks, they want to slide out the door on you. Dude, Tootsie's is like a whole different thing now. It's like it's like a honky-tonk mall. I mean, I, I literally, I, I went in, my wife and I went in there the other night, um, and it was the first time in a long time that I'd, I'd been in Tootsie's, and, and uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this place has is, is gotten huge. Did and you see the third floor? Yeah, yeah, it's what it's blew nuts. my mind. That floor, that third floor changed the whole dynamics. It took it from being a, a, a honky-tonk fit, you know, that that does good to just putting it on a whole new level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like a honky-tonk mall. Yeah. I mean, it is totally, it is, it is, yeah. it is, it is so, it is huge. People would not believe it. I mean, uh, it, it, when you think of honky-tonk, you think of like a small little, the you know, intimate, floor, yeah, 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 yeah. You think of like that little intimate setting, you know, mm. where you sit there and you, you got smoke in your eyes and, and whiskey on your breath and, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and a song in your ear, you yeah. know. This is like, Wow! It was uh, it was like holy cow! This is huge. Uh, so when did they do? When did they do that? I think they opened it uh, about. It's been about two years, maybe. Uh, not this past New Year's Eve, but the one before that, I think they opened it. So it may be working on about a year and a half or so. so okay. It's uh, it's relatively new, you okay. know. Yeah. Uh, is respective to Tootsie's being around, but uh, man, it, it just it was a game changer. Oh, absolutely. So, when, what, what, what's your favorite room to play? What's your favorite floor to play? It's still the first floor, man. I mean, that that first floor is is Tootsie's, and it's what built the entire empire. You know, that right. first floor, that that one room. But now I do the first, I do the third floor on Monday nights, and I love playing up there. The sound system's way better. You can get so many people in there. They got the balcony out there that the yeah, folks can yeah. stand out on and watch the street. And, it's cool too, but you know how the that first floor made Tootsie's, and the first floor has also put me where I'm at too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got no complaints, man. Oh man! <laughs> so what are you? What are, what are some of, your, of the songs that are in your portfolio right now that you're playing? You know, I'm playing from Merle Haggard to Metallica. No way! I swear to God, and from Johnny Cash to Journey, and uh, people are eating it up. Really? And you know, uh, we still do the. Those standard classic Johnny Cash, Waylon Merle, Willie, all that stuff. But we'll throw in some Prince. Some I'm even doing a dang. Uh, I'm even playing Uptown Funk. Really? <laughs> and killing it too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. For a hillbilly, I'm killing it. All right. Well, I, I do. I love Bruno Mars. I love Bruno Mars. Yeah, he's a talented, talented cat, man. And uh, I knew the first time I heard that song is going to be huge in clubs. If we could pull it off, you know, because we don't have the horns and stuff. But we really, I mean, we tear it up, man. The this first time, great. the first time I heard it, uh, I didn't know it was Bruno Mars, and I thought Morris Day was making a comeback. Yeah. I swear, it said to me, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. What? It sounded like the bird. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, it, well, it had that, you know, that '80s whole, you know, uh, uptown funk type sound, and and uh, you know, obviously the song's called Uptown Funk. But so you do that? Yeah, we do it just about every night. You know, we're doing Shout the, off the, by the Isley Brothers off the Animal House soundtrack, you know, mm. and that's a killer. I don't care where you go. <laughs> I just kill them. The whole floor is just jumping up and down. <coughs> oh, my goodness. And so, you know, um, a lot of people uh, come to town and, and 
and what they don't realize is that they try to play for themselves the songs that they like to play mm -hmm. and that's great you know i've heard people i've heard people in nashville say it I ain't never playing Sweet Home Alabama again. If I ever have to play that song again, I think, well, you're stupid. <laughs> because I ain't played that song in the last 12 years for less than 20 bucks. Well, there you go. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Every time I play it, somebody's tipping me 20 to do it. So sure. they must have a grudge against money. Right, right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I mean? So are you, are you, but you are still doing your own songs, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got three albums out so far. And, and uh, you know, I should have had a 10, but... My focus when I came to town wasn't specifically to be a huge star. Now, don't get me wrong. If I had become <laughs> one, I would have loved it. All right. <laughs> I all right. stay here and lie. You know what I'm saying? Fair I enough. Loved it. Fair enough. But my uh, goal when I moved to Nashville 13 years ago was to be successful in the music business. Sure. In some form, whether it's writing songs, whether it was... Uh, managing an act or anything. I would have took anything. Because sure. when I came to town, <laughs> I moved from Dogtown, Alabama, and I drove to Nashville in a 1992 Camry that all the panels on it were different colors, and it leaked oil from <laughs> Fort Payne to here. <laughs> I had a couple hundred bucks in my pocket, man. And so I, was, I didn't have, and I didn't leave nothing behind either. <laughs> so, and so I was just ready to make my way and make my mark in the music business and, and uh, just be successful and, and make a comfortable living and so you know I've done that but, but like I said don't get me wrong had I gotten a big old fat record deal and and had a string of number one hits and be a top recording and touring artist right now, you know, I wouldn't have been mad about it. <laughs> so you came here in 2003? Yep. Okay. April of 2003. Oh wow. Uh, well, so what, what was the first thing you did when you got here? Well, the first thing I did was I went to work, and how I got how I got here was I, you know, I I first played at the stage. It was the first show that I did. Really? And Brad Sanderson is the one that hired me, and I called that dude for a solid year. Really? He would not take my call, wouldn't return my phone call. I tried to go to Nashville and talk to him. He was I'm a pretty loyal person. Should have called Ruble. Well, I didn't know Ruble at the time. You know, okay. I had just come to town, and I talked to Brad. He gave me a show, and I played a show there, and he he never, you know, talked to me again. I thought, well, maybe the dude just don't like me. And so I told my dad, this was in 2000, early 2003, I said, I'm going to go to Nashville one more time and try to talk to Brad. <clears throat> and if he don't answer my call or if he's not there, I'm going to try to find somewhere else to play. So I went up there, and, of course, he didn't answer my call, didn't return my call. He wasn't at the uh, at the stage, and so we were sitting in Tootsie's one night, and uh, you remember Craig Curtis? Mm -hmm. Craig Curtis was playing, me and my dad was sitting in the back, and I told my pops, I said, uh, you know, if a man's going to play in Nashville, this would be a good spot to do it right here. And so he said, well, hell, why don't you go see if he'll let you sit in? And so I went up there, and I tipped uh, Craig. I think I gave him 10 bucks, which at the time was a, was a good tip. Which mean at the time? Still was a good tip. <laughs> <It's> still, <laughs> you know, but back in 2003, you know, it, it was the tip joke was mainly full of ones and fives and a few tens. But anyway, he got me up, and I sang a song, and they kept me up, and I sang a second song. And oh, uh, one on Matt was standing over at the end of the bar. You remember Matt? Yep, stopped yep. the beer and stuff. And, he got my number and he said, uh, do you live in Nashville? You looking to play? And I said, hell yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, but I said, hell yeah, I do. And he said, well, somebody will be calling you. They'll be wanting to talk to you. And so he said it would probably take about a week. 
because John Taylor's down in Florida and he won't be back. Well, the next day I got a call. He said, you be in my office on Friday. So he drove back and I went and sat down with him. And uh, that Friday and the next day on Saturday, they gave me a two hour show in the back room, you know, with the band that Greg Humphrey had put together. Oh, huh. And then within a week, man, they were they were wanting to record a record and, you know, a record. manage me. And, really? Yeah, and they formed a record label. And we put out a record and uh, had uh, two, charted, two charted singles. So I thought Nashville Star happened before that. It did. Nashville Star happened, but I was still in Alabama then. And that was uh, uh, probably late 2002, early 2003. And that's kind of got me fired up about the whole thing you know to uh my band had split up at the time i tried uh nashville star i made it in the top 25 but i didn't get on the show okay and uh, they picked 12 out of the 25 and uh i think i was number 13 <laughs> <laughs> man. that's the way i, I say it oh uh, hey hey <laughs> and uh but you know that kind of relit the flame and so that got me coming back up to nashville and uh and, that, and then I walked into Tootsie's, and the, and the next thing you know, man, I, they hired me, and I didn't have a place to stay. And they had a, they had a studio over on uh, the Cumberland River, and the bottom, the studio was on the second floor, and the, the downstairs part was offices. So they let me turn that into an apartment. And I stayed there. <laughs> I bet you I killed 150 rats the first week, man. And. Uh, had mold in it. I stayed sick for six months. And I finally got me up enough money to rent an apartment and got out of there and finally got well. <laughs> Dang. So that must have, it must have been not too long after that that you and I started, because it was about yeah. two, I started playing there in 04. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you started, you put your record out in 03 or 04? Well, we recorded it in, in 2003 and we released it. I think we finished it in early 2004 and released it in early 2004. Okay, because I remember, I remember you. You got a lot of radio plays. As a matter of fact, it was just the other day. My wife and I were driving around, and and uh, we he I heard your voice on the radio. You were doing a commercial. Yeah, man. I, this company, ARS and Rescue Rooter, has hired me for their national spokesperson. I was like, that's John Stone. <laughs> yeah, I wrote all their jingles. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's real cool. The, the, the call ARS Rescue Rooter song. I wrote that. And that's me singing it. So, so you you did the Nashville Star thing. You came up here into into Tootsie's, and then. They basically saw you and said, "We're going to build an, uh, an empire around you. We're going to make a record label. We're going to, we're going to do it all. Management, all that, yep. booking, everything." They sure did. And uh, you're not the only artist that they do that for, right? Well, at the time, I was. Um, I don't know exactly if or how many other people they signed. I know I was the first. Uh, and they're not doing the record label anymore, but they are. Uh, what would you say, uh, kind of developing artists, you mm -hmm. know, to play there and working with them on songwriting and teaching them how to honky tonk. John Taylor's got this thing he calls honky tonk school. All right, sounds he's like he's got honky tonk you going. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he makes them come down and watch me and Scott Collier take notes. There you real. go. He does, man, and uh, still to this day. And, uh, but, you know, they, uh, they put that record out, and we had two charted singles in the, the we had a 42 and a number 48, and I always kind of make this joke. I tell people when I introduce the song, Shame On Me, the first one that we put out, I said, this is the first song that I had, uh, that I released as a recording artist when I moved to town. I said, it made it all the way to number 42, and people kind of laugh. And I say, 
I said, I know, I know. Not everybody gets to have a number four, a number one song on the radio. I said, but you know what? Not everybody gets to have a number 42. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> love it. It kills them. I, I love it. I love it. That, I love that positive view, and I love, I love the way that you, That's you know, right, man. you know, you, you stated very clearly in the beginning uh, of the. You're like, you know, I came here to, to you know, everybody views success differently, and my, my idea of success was being able to put food on the table and make music. And that you've done it. So you're successful, man. Hell yeah. You you do music full time for a living and you know, you get on a bus and you go you go all over the world. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I've done that since I was twenty twenty one years old. That's what all I've ever done is play music. And you know it it was uh, my dad always says chicken one day and feathers the next it was a lot of feathers early in the, in the beginning you know finally we're getting a little chicken on the table <laughs> oh man oh I, you know i it, it's it's crazy uh it to, to just to see how things have developed down on broadway well, it's I mean, changed, it has it? changed yeah. crazy in the last 10 years it's nuts yeah. in the last five years the last five years especially and uh you know the um that old Sinaki Irish pub stayed empty there on the corner oh, yeah. of Third and Broadway, or Fourth and Broadway for years, ten uh-huh. years, and it was empty before I moved here. And then uh, Steve and those guys that own Tootsie's bought that thing and built it out, and man, that thing is kicking like high karate after <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I forgot. I forgot that they own that. Yeah. What is it called? Honky Tonk Central. Honky Tonk Central. Yeah. Man. Yeah, they got so how, they got three bars down there now, right? Fixing to be four. They got they just bought what? the old uh, western store there on the corner of third and they tore it down and they fixed and built a four story one right there. Really? Yeah. Holy cow. Nuts, man. So what are the four what are the four they have down there now? Right now they got Tootsies, of course, three stories. They've got uh Rippies, which is three stages in Rippies. They got Honky Tonk Central. Then one in under construction. They got the Tootsies in Panama City, mm-hmm. Beach, Florida. They got two Tootsies in the airport. Oh wow! And they own Fish Lips out on Center Hill Lake. Fish Lips. Yeah, Pates Ford Marina. I dated a girl named Fish Lips. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> Man, oh, so so do you play all of those places or just Tootsies? Well, I play. Usually about once a year down in Panama City. I do New Year's Eve at Honky Tonk Central. Never play at Rippies. Um, I don't think I've ever played a show, to, a show over there. And of course, I mean, my home is Tootsie's. That's where I've always kind of made my bread and butter at. But uh, never played the airport bars, but they got so many bands now. I think they have like 150 something bands. What? Yeah, 150 something entertainers and then you know a lot of the musicians kind of intermingle with the with the entertainers but they have 150 something different people that they work down there they got three stages at each bar that they run four bands on per day so the the artist doesn't have their own band anymore well some of them do like me i got my own band that's been with me for you know my bass player and guitar player has been with me pushing 10 10 years now my drummer's going on two and um some of the acts that get the more steady shifts where they're playing enough to keep a band, mm. you know, they, they have steady bands, but the guys who are just picking up shifts here and there, there's, it's still just, yeah. uh, you know, musician potluck. Yeah, I was like, how would you play, how would you play your own original songs if you, if you, if you, uh... I 
always hated that part about when I first moved to Nashville. It's like every time you go on stage, you got a different band, <clears throat> and you have to, you can't get comfortable with the song. Yeah, list. You can't get yeah. comfortable with the flow of the show. Yeah, and, and it so, does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. And uh, when you got to call out a song, and I don't really know that one. Uh, what about this one? I don't really know that one either. I can only play it in G. <laughs> 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 what? You're a drummer. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so uh, you know, but once I got to where I was doing the shifts and I was making the money, you know, my guys, are they've stuck with me because, I mean, they make, with as much as we play, they make a killer living. I mean, they make a good living. And, and they pick up shows when I'm not playing, so they right. play as much as they want to. They play two or three shows a day, seven days a week if they want to because they get the call. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, ever, you ever worried about losing them on the road? That's no. what I used to have. I, yeah. I got that a lot. Almost every single guy that played with me now plays with a major act out on the yeah. road. Well, I don't know very many major acts that, that they make as much as my guys make, just to be honest with you. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough, I yeah. Mean, now, I'm sure there are, don't get me wrong, there, there's probably guys that's really well established, but they're not hiring. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Those guys have been with them for years and they're not right. They're not hiring dudes off Broadway. Right, right. right. But the acts that do pick up musicians down there on Broadway and when mm -hmm. we play, there ain't none of them paying more than I'm paying. There you go. We're working as much as I'm working. So how do you, how do you know what song to play and when? It's a it's all about the crowd, man. It's like a, a lot of people are, are gifted you know, at birth or whatever with, with a talent to just pick up an instrument and play it or, or they can take a piece of wood and, and create something beautiful out of it or a piece of steel or, you know, something like that or they have a knack for training the animal. My gift that I think I was given is reading the crowd. And mm. when I step on stage within five minutes, I can tell what I'm gonna have to do to keep them happy. And if I play a song that they're not, completely responding to I can shift gears on the next song and get them right back into the groove why didn't you run for office man because we got some shit candidates I've never seen anything like it in my life I've, I've never I've never seen it it's like playing Russian roulette with a gun fully loaded it's like no I'm not gonna get the bullet either way it's like I'm, I'm not I'm not playing I'm out I'm out man I'm out yeah. oh, take it upside the head either way you go that is right <laughs> unfortunately that is right um so so the, the the young artists that are that are out there that are considering coming to nashville that, that want to play when they get here you know what what advice would you give them it depends on what they want to do when they get here if they want to be a star if they are coming here to get a record deal and be a star they need to write songs they okay. need to focus on writing songs don't focus on playing every day mm -hmm. because you get caught up playing trying to make a living making music and you don't have time or the energy to write the songs mm -hmm. that's where I was mm -hmm. I'm not I haven't written near as many songs as I should have mm -hmm. but I work all the time right you know make a good living playing music but you know there's a give and take there it's catch 22 if you're coming to, to town to make a living playing music and maybe you're not a great songwriter Get in front of an audience, learn how to get that audience on your side quickly, mm -hmm. and go down there and get you a gig and make some money. You know, and, and a lot of people can't figure out how to value themselves. Okay. You know what I'm saying? They come to town and and because this guy's taking forty bucks a night to play, 
they think they got to. That's not the case. Mm. That's not the case, because if you can walk in a joint and you can make them cash registers make music, mm -hmm. you can pretty much negotiate whatever you want to make. Right, right. Because very few people can do that for four and a half hours straight. Sure. And uh, especially through the weeknights. Right, right. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, so, you know, people come to town with the ideal that you get here and you can't, you know, the, the pay is what the pay is. Take it or leave it. Well, in the beginning, that's true, you know, because there's so many people trying to get it. But once you get in there and establish yourself and you prove yourself and you set yourself apart from the pack, mm -hmm. you can go in and renegotiate. You sure can. And uh, and also when when people are trying to book you for events and stuff like that, because people are always there on conventions and stuff or for business, and they're always hiring entertainment for those things, and they have big budgets. And I'll give you an example. Back when I was playing around home, and I, I couldn't get a corporate gig or a private party to save my life. And I was trying to price it at about 1000 1500 bucks. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm giving them a good deal. And uh, I couldn't get one. So I got to Nashville. I got to making good money. And I thought, well, I'm not going out for a thousand bucks and having to leave home. I said, I don't, you know, I'm making good money. I don't have to leave town. I just jacked, you know, people start asking me, I just jacked it up to 3,500. Hell, I started getting booked like crazy. <laughs> I doubled it, got twice as many bookings and just kept going up and kept getting book more bookings. There you go. And I figured out that people with money don't like cheap shit. There you go. <laughs> they just don't. Yeah. And and it's a fact of life. And then and they equate, if you don't value yourself no more than that then you can't be that good that, exactly yeah you know if if that's all you think you're worth mm -hmm. i'm gonna find somebody else right 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 <laughs> so you know and a lot of people lose sight of that they, they don't it took me a long time to figure it out don't get me wrong i just wake up one day with the epiphany you know when i was a kid that hey this is how you make money in the music business took me a long time to figure that out but once I did figure it out boy the whole game changed did, did, did somebody teach you that or you just it just came to you it just came to me just trial and error you know and, and uh, being around folks that's got money and watching how they act and and I make my entire living reading people and I'm good at it I'm really <laughs> good at it and so you know just being around folks and seeing you know if well, I, a lot of my friends are wealthy and when I'm around them I don't see anything that they have that's cheap. Sure. They drive nice cars, they have nice clothes, they have nice homes, they have nice yards, they have nice boats, they have nice vacation houses. Why wouldn't they have expensive entertainment? Sure. <clears throat> you know? And so, and once that clicked in my head, boy, the whole, like I said, the whole game changed. Dang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. George and Wheezy moved on up. <laughs> Moving on up. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's uh, right, man. <laughs> um, so, so tell me about uh, some interesting uh, artists that that have set in with you, or that have that have sh showed up at at your shows. I gotta tell you my favorite Hank Jr. story. <laughs> the first time I ever met Hank Jr., I've always been a huge fan. I mean, I just was crazy about the dude. So. Scott Collier, you know Scott, he played yep. down Tootsies, and uh, he wrote this song with uh, Marty Brown called They Don't Call Him Junior Anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's about Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Hank Jr., how they kind of grew out of their daddy's shadows and developed their own thing. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> well, Hank shows up one time, and he comes out, he pulls up a limousine, he gets out with his entourage, and they walk in the door. Well, they walk right past me and go upstairs, and I'm thinking, damn. Dadgummit, boy, he's upstairs. That just sucks. <laughs> so, so break, boys. we got to take a break. <laughs> yeah. And so as he's coming back down to get in his car, and Hank's shit-faced, and he's coming down to get in his car, and uh, I stop him. I said, Hank, I said, hang on a minute. you got to hear this song, man. That's about you and your daddy. He looked up at me, and I'm standing on the stage. He said, shut up, bitch, and hit me a G chord. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. First thing, you know, me being the hillbilly that I am, I thought to myself, man, what do I do? God just called me a bitch. <laughs> Usually I give him some, some daggum toes to the, to the teeth. <laughs> he said, shut up, bitch, and give shut me a G chord. Shut up, bitch, and hit me a G chord is what he said. Did you do it? I just backed up and went, bang. <laughs> he climbed up on stage with us, man, and he sung uh, Whiskey Bent, and then we did Family Tradition. He hugged my neck, got in a limo, and he was gone. Oh, my gosh. That <laughs> yeah, was awesome, man. And then later on, him and this was right about the time when uh, Kid Rock and Pamela Anderson had hooked up. They got married in Tootsies. They got married in Tootsies. Well, they come Did they in. get divorced there? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Well, they come in Tootsies on a Tuesday night, and I was playing. It was them three. And Hank and Kid Rock had been in with me before and got on stage, and it was chaotic, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but when Pamela came in... It was chaos times 10. Oh, why? Because all the horny cowboys? Well, I'm I'm sure she probably called the paparazzi or whatever, but because, you know, nobody had ever showed up like that before. The there paparazzi? Was, there ain't no paparazzi in Nashville. Yeah, there was that night, brother. Really? Outside of Tootsie's, there was probably, hell, there were people standing in the road. There's probably a thousand people standing outside trying to get in. No way. There was people up on each other's shoulder inside Tootsie's. It was worse than when Kenny Chesney played the background? Oh, hell yes. Really? Hell yes. It looked way worse. And uh, and so I got Kid Rock and Hank on stage with me. Pamela's standing in the VIP booth over there in the window, you know, and she's got on this little leopard skin dress that's just barely covering her nipples. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's just hanging out everywhere. <laughs> and she's up in the window putting on a show and the paparazzi's out there, you know, and it's just chaos. And then the next day, you know, <clears throat> they had their ceremony out in Malibu. Okay. But the next day, they come back in Tootsie's, and there was, used to be a judge that hung out there a lot. And he was in there that day, and he married them right there at the end of the bar, right by the VIP booth on that next Wednesday afternoon. Oh, wow. Sure did. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So is she hot as hot in person as she is? In... So was that night? I don't know what she is now, but boy, that night she looked good. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Smoking. Oh yeah. Gosh, I had a huge crush on her during the Baywatch oh, years, God. man. Yeah. I, I'd have probably started running at her in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> save funny. me, Pam! Save me! Yeah. That's pretty funny, man. And we've had. Uh... We had the, uh, I think it was the drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers one night came in and played with us, and he was tore slap up. Well, used to, they had meters there on the sidewalk out in front of Tootsie's. Uh -huh. This dude was going <laughs> to jump the meter, and he was drunk, and he, he jumped, and for, somehow his britches, he fell backwards, and his britches got hung on the, thing, oh. on the meter. So he falls down, and the meter is up between his his 
crotch and his britches, and he ain't got no drawers on, so he can't pull his pants up. <laughs> He's laying there on his back, drunk. His buddies are trying to get him up. They can't. They can't pull his. You know, they can't pull the pants up. They can't get him off the meter. And so he just laying there with it all hung out. They had to lift him up over the meter and then pull his pants up. Oh my God! Absolutely, literally, <laughs> pun intended. It was nuts. Yeah, pun absolutely, intended. pun intended. Nuts everywhere. Holy cow! We've so, seen some crazy stuff out there, man. <laughs> so, so, you ever seen like famous actors or anything come in there? Like, yeah. Uh, like, uh, who's who's some big actors you've seen come to? Rob Snyder come in there one night and hung out. Was super nice dude, man. Uh, uh, let's see, Richard. Uh, what's Richard's last name? He's always the bad guy in the movies. He's married to Chris Christopherson's daughter. Oh, crap! <laughs> I can't think of his last name, but. Uh, Jeremy Piven was in there, wasn't Jeremy he? Jeremy Piven played drums with us. No, he did I not. I swear, he plays drums. He got up and played drums with us. What, he what, damn what, sure did. What was his What was his name? Ari Gold. Ari Gold <laughs> yeah. got up and played played drums he with sure you. Sure did, man. Oh my gosh! It, did, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that great, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't suck like I thought he was going to. <laughs> that is funny. He I don't sure care did, who you. He was a nice guy. We had. Uh, uh, Dave Chappelle come in one night. Uh, uh, Stevie Wonder played at the uh, Bridgestone Arena there, and after the show, his horn section came in, his harmonica player came in, Kid Rock's old guitar player Kenny Olson was in there, and then Dave Chappelle. So they all got on stage at the same time with this man. Stevie? Now Stevie didn't come in, just his horn section and his, his harmonica player. He didn't want to watch the show? <laughs> no, he didn't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> And so we had about a two and a half, three hour just jam, just a throwdown, man. It was awesome. Damn. Dave Chappelle come up and sang a little roots with us and he's a he's a nice guy. That was actually the second time I've ever run into him in a bar. Really? We were playing Tupelo, Mississippi a few years ago and you know, hardly anybody there. And um I cannot believe Dave Chappelle showed up in a honky-tonk in Mississippi. Dude, he did. They were Him and his buddy had gotten motorcycles, and they was out riding the Natchez Trace, and they swung through Tupelo, was going to find somewhere to get a beer or something, and they come in our bar, and it was we had probably 30 minutes left, and so when we got done, the owner walked over there and introduced me to Dave, and he said, hey, John, this is Dave Chappelle. I said, no, it ain't. I said, that's Rick James, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no. What do you do when you said that? He just gave me that look. You know he hears that all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he didn't laugh. But <laughs> oh. He's like, you ain't, you ain't funny, white boy. I didn't need him to laugh. I thought it was funny. <laughs> you, ain't fun, you ain't funny, white boy. <laughs> Dang. So, and then he came in over to his man. He was nice as he could be, man. It's just really nice. He's one of my favorite comedians, too. Did you remind him of that story? Of course I did. <laughs> he remembered it, too, because somebody, while he was in there hanging out with us, stole his damn tag off his motorcycle. Oh, my God. <laughs> they literally stole his, his tag while he was in the bar. That is nuts. For <laughs> Dave Chappelle's motorcycle tag. In the middle of nowhere, man, just rolls up in the bar we're at. So, so literally, just playing there, you have gotten to meet all kinds of interesting characters. Ed Helms, didn't he go in there once? Who? Ed Helms, uh, the guy from uh, Office, The Office. I don't think I was playing that night. I remember uh, just a few weeks ago, we had the principal off of uh, Saved by the Bell, mm -hmm. Mr. Uh, Belding. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he, he actually sang with us. Uh, well, I played with Brett Michaels there before. Yeah, I remember uh, that on the second floor. Yep, yep. It's a nice dude, man. Yes. That dude is a... 
is a super nice dude. He never forgets a name or a face. Mm -hmm. Nope. Never. Nope. You know, and, and the cool thing about Brett is, uh, and, I, and that I learned, is that he has this whole persona. And his persona is completely different than who he actually is. Yeah. You know, he's got this rock star persona, you know, that he he's this wild party animal and blah, 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 blah. You know, and he's not. He's, yeah. he's really not. Yeah. Like, okay. He's just like a laid back dad, you know, that gets out there and, you know, rocks with the best of them and goes after being back a laid back dad, you know? Hell yeah. Oh, man. I've always liked that dude. I met him early on at the CRS way back in 2003. And uh, it was backstage at uh, one of the one of the events. Rascal Flats was playing. We we're in the convention center back there with the buses and stuff. And he walked by, and I talked to him for a little bit. And he was just, you know, didn't just kind of, uh, you know, most people talk as a walk and sure. blow you off. You know, he was just, he was genuinely nice, and I could tell it was real. It wasn't he wasn't just trying to be cordial. Right. He was a good dude, and I've always liked him ever since. I always liked him before that, but I really liked him after that. <laughs> What would you say would be the, the, the biggest change that you've seen on Broadway within the last five years? The commercialization of it, you know, just uh, all the honky-tonks blowing up and uh, the, um, the just sheer number of people that are showing up. I mean, they're expecting another million people to move to Nashville within the next five years. Where are they going to live? Have you been downtown lately? They're just building them up everywhere? Man, you can't look anywhere without seeing a crane. Really? They're building condos and apartments everywhere they can stick them. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. It's unbelievable. I mean, they're really building stuff. You go downtown Nashville, you'll see anywhere from 15 to 20 cranes. And I bet they're expensive as all get out. Yeah. I mean, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious. Is yeah, that your boy? Are. Yeah, that's my son. How old is he? He's 15. Golly, you know, my boy will be 18 next month. Oh, wow, man. Or July. He'll be 18 in July. That's, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, where does the time go? I know, man. Is, is he your oldest? Yeah, well, no, I got two stepchildren and they're older than him. He's my oldest. Oh, gotcha. He's my only son. Gotcha. My only child. And, uh, and uh, but we got two stepchildren, but he turned 15 in, uh, in uh, February and he's six foot three. Where's size 13 shoe and he's pushing 170 pounds. Dang. Yeah. Well, how tall are you? You're like 6'4", six, 6'5"? Four, six, four, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're tall as all get out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm 6'1", and I don't feel short to most people, and then I like stand up at you, and I'm like, damn, this guy's tall. Holy cow. But, uh, man, I tell you. Well, so we've gotten uh, we've gotten the advice for those that are coming into Nashville, and we've, we've gotten some great stories. Is there anything else that you're going to add to this thing, man? I mean, this is this has been a, a, a fantastic. I think the, the, the audience is going to get a lot out of this just from, from you know, the, the, the candid conversations that we have on the show. Uh, it gives them kind of like a, the fly on the wall. Uh, yeah. opportunity to hear stories that they would have never yeah, heard yeah. otherwise yeah. Um, so you know is it where where can they find John Stone online on Twitter Facebook and and uh, your, your website and, and Tootsies and all that tell, yeah. tell us about those websites before we close this thing out well my website's johnstonecountry.com John spelled with an H J-O-H-N stonecountry.com I'm John Stone Country on Facebook I'm John Stone Country on Instagram and I'm the letter J Stone Country on Twitter you know, so it's pretty easy to remember. 
And, uh, you know, if people want to kind of get a little glimpse of what goes on at Tootsie's, they got a live feed now on the Internet. You can tune in at Tootsie's.net and uh, click on the webcam, and you can watch the bands play live and see a little piece of the crowd. And <clears throat> I think they got one on all three floors, just to be honest with you. And uh, so folks who's never been there can check it out. And, uh, you know, we travel all over the United States and different parts of the world. So if you check out my website there at johnstonecountry.com and see the tour schedule, hell, we might be in your backyard next day. There you go. There you go. So last question. (laughs) Is John Stone your God-given name? It is. Really? John Wesley Stone. Really? Yeah. There's been a a John Stone in my family since every generation since before the Civil War. That was like some Forrest Gump shit there. (laughs) My daddy's daddy was John Stone, and his daddy's daddy was John all the way back to the Civil War. (laughs) My great-great-granddaddy was John Thaddeus Stone, which was a major in the Civil War. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I don't even know. We, 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 were, we were like going, these people crazy. And my son's name is John Jackson Stone. Really? So he's going to keep the tradition going. Yeah. And, uh, and my granddaddy's name was John Stone. And so and a lot of people do ask me, that. is that your real name? No, it ain't. Yeah, it actually is. Well, you know, Doug Stone's real name isn't Doug Stone. It's Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People ask me, are you kin to Doug Stone? I'm like, well... No, his name ain't even Stone. <laughs> <laughs> he changed his because of Garth Brooks. Yep, yep. I'm the real. I'm the real Stone. Yeah. He's a he's a pretend Stone. Well, you know there was uh, there's another John Stone in Nashville that's a songwriter and producer. He works with Lee Bryce and he's got a, a duo called American Young right now. Well, when I first come to town, he was trying to make it as an artist too. And I remember he was on the second floor of Tootsie's, and I was on the first floor of Tootsie's, and he spells his name J O N. And my first record was Meet John Stone. It was originally Meet the Real John Stone. (laughs) But we didn't want to sound too arrogant, you know? (laughs) But it was Meet the Real John Stone, and it wound up being Meet John Stone in Productions. (laughs) But that's the true story behind the title of that record. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I I appreciate you. I appreciate this, man. This has been a fantastic fantastic interview, and I've got to figure out how to get out of here through all these cows before it gets dark because I don't have a GPS. Man. Dude, I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That was awesome, man. Hell yeah, dude.